The following program is supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. Close your eyes for a couple of minutes. Just close them tight. And are you any less intelligent? Are you any less incapable? Oh, I'm getting emotional. It's really hard to talk about. When I would talk to people about me having autism, they'd look at me and they'd be like, you don't look autistic. Marie, why don't you want to go to school anymore? And I said, because Roger picks on me. Are you any less mobile just because you've got your eyes closed? And the answer is no. He doesn't look autistic. Oh, he'll grow out of it. Or everyone's just a little bit autistic or on the spectrum. We got that a lot and we get that a lot. And this is what happens is when young people like that are bullied, they don't want to go, they don't feel like they fit in, they're not being included. You know, we all just need to break down these barriers and stigmas and just all get along. I'm not that comfortable with saying I'm a dwarf, but that's up to me to say it. It's not up for someone to call me that. If you knew what autism is and the challenges that we face on a daily basis, you wouldn't be making such a bold comment like that. I think it comes down to misconceptions and misrepresentation. Don't label people, don't put labels on people. Treat each person as an individual, whether they have special needs or not. Each person is unique in their own way. Each person strives in their own way. Because I want people to understand the experience because then they can understand how to communicate with others, how to be inclusive and supportive of people who are going through limb difference where they themselves can't represent what they're going through. My disability does not define me. I don't have a disability. I have a different ability because I am differently abled. Prepare to shatter preconceived notions and misconceptions about disabilities with 2MFM's groundbreaking interview series differently abled. Be inspired by a group of individuals who are challenging stereotypes every day. Differently abled. Paving the way for a more inclusive tomorrow. to another inspirational episode of Differently Abled, the show that is dedicated to breaking down barriers and promoting greater inclusion and acceptance for people with disabilities. Our special guest for today's episode is Norma. Norma is a parent, a mother, who will be sharing her inspirational journey of raising a child with Down syndrome. Norma will talk about the challenges she faced and how her daughter Alina has motivated her to become an advocate for inclusion in the disability space. This episode will hope to challenge our assumptions about people with Down syndrome 
and inspire us to rethink how we can promote a more inclusive and accepting society. Thank you so much, Norma, for joining us today to share your story with us. Thank you for having me, Nadia. Before we delve into your experience of raising a child with Down syndrome, could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and your family? Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, your family members and what you and your loved ones are passionate about. Subhanallah, like uh, I'm a mother of five girls. Um, in our house, we're, we're seven members, including my husband. I've got uh, my eldest daughter, who is uh, 27 years old. She's now a pediatric nurse in the ICU of the Children's Hospital in Westmead. And at the moment, she has been placed as manager of the, of the unit. My second um, daughter is uh, going on 26. MashaAllah, she's uh, done quite a few, uh, uh, like, courses and, and, like, different programs. She's got a bachelor in diversional therapy. Um, she's also studied um, personal training. She also works in the disability sector, so she does a lot of support work as well. Um, and at the same time, she's also a high school um, PDHPA teacher. Number three, or third daughter, is going on 21. At the moment, she's um, her last year of nursing, and she also works in the disability sector as a support worker. Um, my number four, sorry to number them, but... <laughs> um, she's actually turned 19 this year. Um, she is doing second year of nursing, and she also works in the disability sector as a support worker. And of course, my precious number five, who's, uh, who is Elena, she is 14 years old. She's in year nine in a moderate to severe uh, school that caters for kids like Elena. Um, this school is actually located in, in Bass Hill. It's uh, called George Bass School. It caters for a massive, like... What, what do you call like sector when it comes to the disabled uh, children or those that are in like have extreme um, so mod moderate to extreme Mod yeah, yeah. intellectual so, disabilities, uh, physical everything, disabilities. Everything, whether it's autism, whether it's um, a child that's uh, basically like Little, you know, like they say, like a vegetable, like mm. where they're mm. tube fed or they, everything, everything you can imagine. This school actually caters for that for that child. MashaAllah. So that's, quite, yeah. Quite a beautiful bunch of women, MashaAllah. And uh, it's really promising to know that they are so passionate about that disability space and that healthcare space as well. Let's go back to, you know, your daughter, Alina. Yes. Share with us the story of how she was diagnosed with Down syndrome. Uh, basically, with Elena, like, uh, subhanAllah, like, um, before I gave birth to her, I've always been interested in the disability sector. I've always wanted to work in that area. And subhanAllah, um, with the help of a particular person, um, subhanAllah, like, uh, it was something that he actually encouraged me to do. Like uh, at the time, it was something that I really wanted to do. And, and he, he actually pushed me to do it. He goes, go for it. If it's something you want to do, just go for it. Um, so subhanAllah, what happened was like uh, I, I did it in like enroll um, in the course. 
but it was never meant to be. Like um, after I had enrolled and just subhanAllah, things happened down the track and then I fell pregnant. And then my little Elena came into my life and subhanAllah, it's like uh, I was supposed to do this for her. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, it's just such a sensitive topic, like for her to be, subhanAllah, from where I was, like what I wanted to do as a career option to her, like like they say, popping into my life, like it just changed my life. That's right. That career became so fixated and so part of your life as a mother Correct. of Alina. And Correct. we come back to the idea that everything happens for a reason. Correct. Hala, subhanAllah, like uh, I'll be honest with you, like doctors, you know, like scare you. Like at my age, I fell pregnant with her at 35. So when I had her, I was close to 36 years old. So you know how they are. Doctors want to make you do these all these different mm. tests. Or subhanAllah, like just put that fear into your heart, install that fear into your heart. And I absolutely refused. I would not um, allow them to do any testing. Um, and subhanAllah, I remember my words well, like uh, to my doctor saying to her that no matter what this child is, I will never get rid of uh, get rid of it. It's it's my child. And however she comes, she comes. So even though they embedded those thoughts into your head, there's a possibility that your child may Correct. be born, is it with Down syndrome? Yes, or that's with... what they were frightened from. Oh, well, mm. a, as a medical thing, that's what, what they were worried about. But that. you completely dismissed I would not what they're saying. It. Yeah, I yeah. would not allow it to affect me. Um, and I, I kept the pregnancy. Subhanallah, her pregnancy was very different. Mm. Like I remember she used to always love to sit in the top part of my stomach for some reason, I have no idea why. Uh, I just maybe it was her comfort zone. Um, and Subhanallah, like when when it was time to give birth to her, Subhanallah, like it was so miasra, like it was so easy. Not pain wise, pain is never easy. Of course, but Subhanallah, like she, it was just different. But a strange like thing occurred where like when she was finally born, mm. her. Uh, cord subhanallah was very short so when they were trying to you know like um and not pull her out like the cord would stop them like they just couldn't pull her out so subhanallah only half her body was no, no. Uh, subhanallah revealed so they actually um like had to cut the tube or, or the cord sorry in order to to pull her out subhanallah she came out you know crying she was breathing normally, mm. but Anna, as soon as I saw her face, I go to my husband. There's something wrong with my daughter. Mm. So straight she had away, the distinct features. Subhanallah. Of... Straight away, I go mm. to him. There's something wrong with my daughter, and he looked at me and he goes to me, "What do you mean? Why are you saying that?" I go to him. I know there is something wrong with my daughter. They took her away from me straight away, so I never even had the chance to hold her. Mm. Uh, as you know, like for medical reasons, as to maybe checking her out, maybe. They were worried about a few things, seeing her features to confirm the diagnosis. So that all had to take place. Um, and that, honestly, like I was in hospital. Like there's nothing wrong with me. But I was in hospital for Alina to get that diagnosis, to get that confirmation of uh, what the issue was. I knew what it was, but subhanAllah, you know, like uh, in, from the medical point of view, they need to get an official diagnosis. And subhanAllah, yes, she was diagnosed like I expected. She has Down mm. syndrome. 
Um, at the time that this was revealed to me, like uh, in like I remember I was in a room. It was like Auburn Hospital at the time. Like there was like a nurse, there was a doctor, there was a support worker or I'm guessing a counsellor at the time or a social worker. I really don't know. But there were quite a few people in the room and like they sat me down and like like I knew. I don't know. Like I, I know. Yeah, so they broke the news out to me. Um, are you okay or blah, blah. And I go, yeah, I'm fine. Just give it to me. Like stop, you know, and you're making me wait. So they said Elena has been formally diagnosed as a Down syndrome baby. Uh, I remember, subhanAllah, her pediatricianist, Dr. Albert Mansour, was also there. And, yeah, and he basically he took charge as to be her, like, a specialist from, from the day that she was born. They asked me questions like, am I okay? Do I need help? How do I feel? So subhanAllah, I felt like there was a lot of support in that room, but I just didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go home, but I'll give me my baby so I can go home. Um, alhamdulillah, they finally, like, um, you know, released us from the hospital. Um, yeah, and, and that's where it started. Mm. So when you were in that room, you felt like you had that really strong support network to help you deal with those initial feelings uh, upon receiving her diagnosis. Yeah, I, I believe mm. they were more worried about, like, my outcome. Mm. Am I going to break down? Am I going to, like, yolotif, like, disown her? I think they were more worried about that. Like, yeah, they just wanted to see my reaction, mm. make sure that I receive the right support according to what they see in the room. But alhamdulillah. 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 Did you have any fears and concerns uh, when you got to know about her diagnosis as a mother, as a parent, did you think of the future, what it might mean for her growing up, the kind of bullying she might be exposed to? What were the thoughts that were running through your head at that time? At the time, in being in hospital, I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to take her and go. But subhanAllah, like once you get home, it's not that like I was in denial, it was trying to allow everyone else to understand around me that this is part this of is, this is mm. now part of our lives. The new normal for you. Correct, correct. And honestly, yes, the future does play a big, big part. Like you are about like how is she going to grow? How is she going to reach her milestones? What do I have to do for her in order mm. for her to reach these milestones? There are so many unanswered questions. And subhanAllah, being a parent and being uh, don't Special get me wrong, parent. like mm. yeah, and being like in the sector working with kids with disability is completely different. Of course, you're exposed because to you're actually exposed to this like mm. day and night. The it's truth and, and reality correct. Correct. of children correct. with special needs, and I find that any woman who gets pregnant always thinks about the future of their child. Correct. So already in normal circumstances, you're going to think about that child, correct. and you had yes. four other girls before her. Correct whom you thought about their future. When it comes to Alina's future, there's a lot more thought that goes into it. That's um, correct, yes. Because of her condition. So talk about the situation after you got home. Were there any kind of challenges that you faced in the initial process of motherhood wasn't new to you, you've had no. children beforehand, but did you find that this was a new territory for you? Did you find that there were so many challenges that you had to overcome. Definitely. Uh, that, that was my, like, main issue. Um, I was very anxious. 
Um, I was extremely worried um, as to the outlook for my daughter in, into the future. Um, you honestly, look, no matter what they say to you in the hospital, you actually do not know what to do. You don't know where to turn. There's no specific guidelines. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, um, There's no handbook to Murphy, tell you how to. Murphy, no. And the thing is, each person's experience is different. Correct. It's varied. No two people's experiences are the same. So you came into this experience not knowing how to navigate it. Correct. Because as she grew up, you discovered more and more about Alina, Correct. maybe more support that she needed. Yep. Did you find that you felt alone at the beginning? Did you find that you wanted to be alone at the beginning? I, I Alhamdulillah, I had a very uh, like strong support, strong support group, mm. like whether it was my family, mm. um, my friends. But the problem was I withdrew from the world. I didn't want to be around anyone. I mm. didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm. Subhanallah, I would like, no joke, like I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I honestly believe like something like close to a year where I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to see anyone. Like I just, I just wanted to be with her. And like mm. all I would do was like stare at her and... Wanting to learn more about yeah, her. Yeah, it's just... But no. did you also find that you wanted to withdraw yourself from the world because you were afraid of the questions, you were afraid of the stigma, you were afraid of people's perceptions Correct. and the way they think. You felt safe in that space, but you were afraid to go out in the real world and having to be exposed to people's perceptions and attitudes and, and, and thoughts about your daughter, right? Correct. You've actually answered yeah. it exactly. Um, that, that was my worry. Um, like... Our community, subhanAllah, at the time when Elena was very young, mm. it wasn't it wasn't like a common area. I felt like subhanAllah in those days it's like it was only my child. But do you yeah, find it just was hard. It was do you hard. find that we've come a long way since oh, then? Definitely. Oh. Definitely, definitely. And subhanAllah, like I realized when I finally had the courage to be out there and mm. and say, you know what, she has a right to be here just like anyone else. Even though it took a long time. Um, but it was then then and there that I decided, you know what, uh, she has a right to be seen. She has a right to be um, interacted with, to be touched, to be talked to. To like be treated everything. like anyone any, else. Any other She child. has the same emotions as Correct. everyone else. Correct. She laughs, she cries, she wants to communicate. Correct. She wants to feel like she's part of a, a family, a community. Why should we deprive Alina of those important elements of our being you know, just because she has Down syndrome. And Correct. that's what a lot of people tend to not understand. Let's talk about what Alina faces. Now, you mentioned to me before that in terms of Down syndrome, it's pretty much identical to autism in the sense where it's a spectrum, Correct. right? Yes. No two people's experiences with Down syndrome is the same. Now, you mentioned she's 14 years of age. Correct. What are some developmental delays or issues that she's facing as a 14-year-old with Down syndrome? You know, I say alhamdulillah every day. She's such a strong girl. She's so, like, she knows what she wants. She has an attitude that can break a person <laughs> and she's so, like, yep. subhanAllah, she, she, she's, she's just fierce. one of those She has girls. that character. But don't, oh, you see the, don't you see her character more than you see the Down syndrome? Oh, don't definitely. You see? She, she has more characteristics that are maybe in tune with the qualities that you have or your, your siblings have, Correct. you know. Correct. She's, she's, you're more in tune with those characteristics than, you know, Down syndrome because you don't let Down syndrome define her. 
ما هو سبحان الله أنا like that's one thing سبحان الله I I I don't think it's just myself but I believe I believe that um, many parents that have special needs kids, the labeling is a big issue. Mm. Um, like you said, I don't see her as a Down syndrome child only when she is at the doctors, mm. doing therapy. That's in where you see the medical and health. Medical and health. Mm. But as an everyday thing, she's just like any other child. That's right. That's right. SubhanAllah, Elena uh, honestly was pretty normal mm. um, in the sense of when she was born. Uh, we, alhamdulillah, never had any medical issues. Um, alhamdulillah, she never had any heart defects because that's normally something that's very common mm. with kids um, mm. with Down syndrome. But subhanAllah, like, you know, like her milestones were coming in as per normal. Yani, there was hope. Mm. Subhanallah, when she hit the age of eight months, uh, suddenly she was getting seizures. Mm. And the seizures that she was getting were a very, very rare form of seizures. And at the time, um, I didn't know. Like it started off with like her, like it looked like she was getting startled. Like she'd be sitting there, subhanAllah, playing. Then suddenly she would just go down and up. Like, you know, mm. I, I don't know what they call it. It's just heck, like but Hasia, like she goes down and then up again. Did you suspect that it could be a seizure or maybe it's kind of a characteristic that she's... I just didn't know. No. I just didn't know. Beforehand, before it actually reached that stage where it got me mm. worried, like like she used to be, like you used to believe like she was getting startled, like she was just jump. Mm. So I thought, why is she always getting startled? Why is she always startled? Why is she always frightened? And then that's when, you know, like it just went went further. Um, and subhanAllah, like, uh, we also realized that her milestones started to go backwards. I didn't know what to do. So I called her her doctor, her, pedi- her pediatricianist, and I got him, look, um, I'm very worried about my daughter. I need mm. I need to, you know, like, to, to you to see her. Um, and I've got, you know, some things that are happening to her that I, I need, you know, some advice about. Um, and from there, subhanAllah, like... Uh, Neurologists came on board. Her um, infant, they actually called infantile spasms, her form of seizures. Subhanallah, her seizures were actually constant. Um, they were, they would not leave her. And so did you find that it affected her quality of life, her whole, her sleep, her everything, everything, everything. everything. Uh, as I said, her, she started to go backwards. She wasn't able to sit anymore. Subhanallah, I felt like she had gone back to a newborn baby. Mm. Um, and that was, I honestly believe that was what changed, what made everything change for her future. Yeah. Um, you had hope at the beginning stages. You mentioned that you felt that she was on track and she was achieving all her milestones. You had hope for the future, but it wasn't until you got exposed to those seizures and they started to become a very strong part of her life. Correct. Where you needed to know how to work around it. Correct. What sort of interventions or what sort of therapy, if any, has actually helped her overcome it? Um, you can't. Mm. You can't overcome epilepsy. It's really sad. But then what happens is, just like with any person that's sick, you you, you become a guinea pig to the medical institute. Like uh, whether it's uh, doctors poking at you or changing medications and trying to find the right combination of, of medications that would help control these seizures, it was a very, very long road. Like I remember I used to spend weeks on end in hospital when she used to like get these seizures and doctors just 
you know, put her on one thing and take her off another. That's exhausting for it's her body. It's very exhausting. For her, you know. Very, very Her exhausting. young body. Correct. You're not able to handle that many medications. But, of course, we do put our trust in those medical professionals. But you felt in that, you know, situation that they were just doing trial and error with That's your daughter. That's what it was. That's and what it, it was. you had no hope. No. No, you, do, you don't have hope. You, you just basically look at your child and say, Ya Allah, you know, what do I do? What mm. do I do to help her? What do I do to make this easy for her? Because you don't mm. know if they're feeling pain. You don't know what their body is going through. So it's just like you're lost. Because you're she actually lost. isn't able to communicate to at you. At all, at all. There's no other means because some people, although verbally they can't communicate, maybe perhaps with her expressions or perhaps with any kind of movement that she makes, anything to let you know that your daughter is in pain. You just don't yeah. know. It's agonizing. Know. It's it agonizing. is very agonizing. Huwa subhanallah, from, from that, my daughter developed a severe global devel- developmental delay. Mm. Um, and she developed other issues as well where she has uh, something that's called horizontal nystagmus, which is uncontrollable um, shaking of the eyes. Mm. Um, she also has severe astigmatism. So that, again, plays with vision and focus and, and things like that. And subhanAllah, she is also um, has very low-functioning thyroids as well. And because her body is so sensitive, subhanAllah, like a lot of the times certain medications, and one of her doctors believes it could be the thyroid medicine, um, she tends to get fluid on the brain as well. Mm. Um, and they n- realize that from her constant eye examinations that they do is if there's any fluid behind the eye, when they're, they're testing, mm. they're checking her out, they know straight away she's got excessive fluid on the brain that has to be drained. So subhanAllah, one thing led to another. At the moment, at the moment, my daughter, as I said, is 14 years old. But subhanAllah, her mental capacity, if you can call mm. it that, is like that of a two-year-old. Absolutely. I can imagine, I guess, the, the challenges, the emotional challenges of having to deal with that because you want your daughter to thrive Despite the situation that you were confronted with, that, you know, you you have a daughter who has been diagnosed with Down syndrome, but you only wish the best for your daughter. You want to give her the best interventions, the, the best, you know, medical support, emotional support. But do you find that she, despite the health challenges that she faces and all the, all the uh, you know, challenges that she faces on the daily, that she finds a safe space at home with her siblings, with you, you know, do you find that she thrives in those environments, that she's the best version of herself? Oh, Elena, Elena. Elena is the queen when it comes to her home. She's the centre of it's attention. It's like, oh, no joke, no joke. Everyone, <laughs> They're obsessed like with her. is under her feet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, Allah yahmiyah. Her home, yeah. honestly, is her comfort. It's her security. Yeah. She does exactly what she wants, gets exactly what she wants. And when you have Kadikal mm. servants around you that will offer you anything you ask for. <laughs> Especially your sisters. You're like, Kadikal, what else can you ask for? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She, she thrives on that. Mm. She thrives on that. She knows how to wrap every single one of us around her, her little finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. knows our weaknesses. She knows that she can get away with, yani, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But honestly, yes, her her home is, is her comfort and yeah. her security, and she just she's yeah, herself. She's happy. She's, she's happy. happy. Yeah, and that's that's she's promising very to know. I mean, 
in that situation, it, it gives you a sense of comfort knowing that she's comfortable in that situation. She's around people who love and support her and advocate for her. Imagine someone like Alina being in an environment where she doesn't feel loved. She's not respected. She's not valued for who she is. So we look at that and say, you know, we should take from that example that, you know, we should give them that loving home because they're part of that family despite their differences. They're just like everyone else, True. you know. True. So in saying that, there are a lot of misconceptions that people have about people with Down syndrome. What are some of the biggest stigmas that your daughter continues to face? Maybe give us some examples of some encounters, maybe public encounters or encounters with other people that really devalued who Alina is? Uh, subhanallah, like honestly with my daughter growing up, my, my main issue um, was people don't understand, like I said before, like like the autism spectrum, it's such a wide spectrum. And subhanallah, kids on the spectrum um, with autism, you've got your mild, you've got your severe, you've got your moderate, you've got those that are high functioning. Subhanallah, um, uh, with Downs, uh, it's all about the intellectual disability and how severe that disability is. It's a massive, massive, massive spectrum as well, if you can call it that. Um, and subhanAllah, like uh, the thing that I didn't like was the comparing mm. of my child to other kids with Down syndrome. Like, for example, like, um, why is your daughter still in nappies? Why can't your daughter talk? Why doesn't she do anything? But are those questions coming from they just want to educate themselves or do you find that they're, you know, questioning? They you know, are just, questioning. Just questioning, not wanting to educate them. There's a difference, you know. Yeah. Someone wants yeah. to learn about why is it that, you know, she's still in nappies? Why isn't she talking? All those things. But then there's the we need to know how to approach these types of questions. Correct. And sometimes it's it's quite insensitive to ask those questions. It is, it you is. Because you're aware of her situation. You Correct. know why that is the case. If you want to learn about something, maybe rethink the way you ask those questions or maybe whom you're getting those answers from. That's true. You know? That's true. It's just, uh, subhanAllah, like I look at it as just like with any other child, uh, you can't compare. Like even your own like kids at home, for example. Mm. Uh, yani, each child is different. Each child is unique. Each child has their struggles and their strengths. And subhanAllah, like kids with special needs are exactly the same. Mm. Not um, all children walk at the same pace correct. or talk at the same age. You know, I've got two kids. One of them spoke at an earlier time, the other at a later time. What benefit would I bring to myself by saying, oh, you know, my son spoke at this time. How come he's not speaking? There must be something wrong with him. No, comparing, you know, at the best of times is... Is not a good idea. It isn't a good idea. No. So imagine comparing, you know, different people within the Down syndrome community. Um, it makes it really the child. That mm. ain't care. Mm. It's more the parents. Like yeah. Really, the child doesn't. To the child with Downs or special needs, they see themselves just like any other person. It's true. It's uh, it's the parents. It's the community. It's the people around us that that make you think otherwise or. Sometimes they even make you believe that, am I really doing enough for my child to achieve the, the next milestone in their life? It's 
you you start questioning yourself. Am I doing enough for my for my child? You start questioning your parenthood, and it Correct. makes you self conscious about does. what you're doing. Am I doing enough? Am I the reason why my daughter's like this? You start to blame yourself. That's true. You go through phases. You go through doubting. Then you blame yourself. Then you want to seclude yourself from the world because you don't want to hear it from anyone. Correct. You just want people to understand, to listen, to to be supportive, and to have that understanding and compassion. So true. I can imagine. So you mentioned that there are some words or phrases that have been previously used to insensitively describe your daughter. Are there any other kind of perceptions or phrases that people have used that are inappropriate to describe her? I wouldn't really say they're inappropriate, but it's just not knowing. Mm. Um, Ignorant downs. remarks. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, for example, like they always, like for example, you've got one uh, misconception mm. where they believe that um, like only like Down syndrome kids only come to those that are older mm. as in parents. Um, so subhanAllah, they, they make you believe that as well, which is, but subhanAllah, this is not true. Um, like, uh, you know, there've been many like uh, researchers and like statistics out there that suggest that they say um, 80% of children with DS are born to women younger than the age of 35 years old. There you go. And, uh, That's a huge stigma. Yes, it is. Um, and honestly, they've installed that belief in people. So when I feel pregnant at the age of 35, that that fear was, you know, like they tried to bestow that upon me, mm. but I refused it. Um, yeah. Like, you know, do the testing or do this and do that. It's, subhanAllah, like, khalas, that's, that's the way it is. The thing is, people don't understand. These kids don't come just to those that fall pregnant at an older age. Yes, you are at a higher risk, but a lot of them do come before, like, uh, at, uh, before the age of 35. Yep, yep. Exactly. Um, and well, and according to them, you've ju- you know, you've missed the mark. You know, you were 36, not 35. Yeah. So, you know, it is a huge misconception that people have and they're afraid to have kids at that age, later Correct. stage in life. They want to have their kids early because they're afraid that their child might be born with you know, a disability. Correct. SubhanAllah, like um, when you're in that environment, like and say, no mm-hmm. joke, like like women as young as 22, 24 years of age, um, like having kids with Down syndrome, you, you do realise that, okay, so it's not just the older generation. It's not just the older women that go through this. Mm. Um, the, another misconception is like, uh, you know, you, you see this, and subhanAllah, this is a positive mm. um, thing. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's not true where... Like uh, people look at um, Down syndrome people and, and they believe that they are always happy, mm, mm. always smiling, not a worry in the world, no problems. Whereas in reality, subhanAllah, um, they have emotions just like any other person. Um, yes, they are very cuddly. They are very loving. They do always tend to have that smile upon their face. But subhanAllah, they, they, they go through emotions just like any other person. You know, you see the fear in them, you see the anger, you see the sadness. They go through, you know, like embarrassment if something, Mm. you know, isn't working too well in their favor. Uh, These are things and emotions that they do um, have. Um, So this other misconception that they're always happy, it's honestly, it's not true. Even though it's positive, it's not true. They go through the same emotions and the same experiences that we do. 
And that's something that we should put at the forefront when we interact with people with Down syndrome. We don't look at their disability. We look at them as an individual and treat them like anybody else. Now, in the situation where your child might, you know, experience a remark or a stare or anything like that in public, how do you advocate for your daughter in situations like that when they're faced with exclusion, discrimination? There are some parents who just ignore it and there are other parents who might, you know, actively take that opportunity to actually educate other people. Don't stare in that way or don't say that, please. You know, say, say something else, for example. What kind of advocate are you? I'll be honest with you, alhamdulillah, I've never put in a situation like that, ever. Uh, it's, it's just been the, the complete opposite. I've had a lot of love. I've had a lot of support. People just want to be around her. I, I don't know what it is, subhanAllah, but people just want to want to touch her. They want to talk to her. They want to, I don't know, it's alhamdulillah, rabbi um, anjad, that I've never, ever experienced it. Um, I've never experienced the stares or a remark, but like so I get a lot of smiles, I get a mm. lot of encouragement, people patting me on, on the back and look good on you, you know, you're an amazing mother. Alhamdulillah, yeah, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. But what tips would you have to other people, I guess, interacting with someone with Down syndrome? Are there any specific communication strategies that are particularly effective in interacting with someone with Down syndrome. Is there anything in particular or something special? Or is it you just speak to her like you do with anyone else? Honestly, like with any other child, you treat them exactly the same way. There are rules to be followed. There's like if, if something, if they do something wrong, they need to understand that they've done something wrong. Yanni, honestly, you just approach them just like any other person. The yeah. only thing that's going to be a boundary is... Um, their intellectual disability and how they're going to react to to a person approaching them. Like, for example, with my daughter, um, she's not fond of crowds. She's not fond of people approaching her, like, you know, mm. without her seeing them at, at first. Mm. Um, she likes, she she prefers to be in her own comfort zone. Whereas, Subhanallah, whereas she's the opposite, like she would approach people, but she doesn't like you approaching her. She would touch you, but she may not like you touching her. So it depends. It depends. Like each child is different. So just like, for example, like, uh, you know, what they call normal, a normal child. Mm. um, Some kids don't like to be touched or talked to or, you know, whereas others do. Exactly. So really like approaching a child with Down syndrome is just like any other person. But the only thing is, if a carer or a parent or someone is with that child, they will let you know, look, my Mm. daughter doesn't like this or she doesn't like this. Be careful. She may like be provoked and she may attack or she may pull your hair. So you as a mother, automatically, that's the first thing you tell. Like you tell Mm. them to be careful. You tell them to be aware, depending on, on what you know about your own child. Do you prefer that she spend time with other people or do you find that it's much more comforting for you to be at home in her own safe space, for example. The honest truth, I do want her to interact with the others, but Elena, subhanAllah, doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. So I do have a lot of problems, like especially when there are people over with younger kids. Mm. Elena, subhanAllah, feels like they're taking away from her comfort, from her mm-hmm. security. So she may retaliate. She may uh, push that child. She may hurt that child. Mm which is a big, big concern to me. 
And she doesn't seem to understand that you can't do that. You, no, you tell her, Elena, that's not right. You can't do that. She doesn't understand that. She just wants her like little space. Little, maybe a little space. Or attention. And, you know, she yeah. just, wants just don't go into my space and you'll be it. safe, like uh, in other words. But do you find, you know, when someone does come over, bring their kids, and let's say that actually occurs – do you find that there are parents who don't understand where you're coming from or they're completely understanding of the situation? I'll be honest with you. I uh, educate each person that comes into Elena's life um, as to what sort of a person she is. I feel it's my duty and my mm. right to allow to inform these parents as to what they're going to be exposed to. Yeah, like you don't get me wrong. Like each, you know, I I know other DS kids that you know, like just for short, yeah, Down syndrome kids mm. that are completely opposite Elena, where they love to interact and love to mm. play and love to be cuddled. Whereas Subhanallah, my daughter is in another world when it comes to that. It's the same with the autism community Correct. as well. There are kids who don't want to interact with others and there are some kids who are okay um, with doing that, but they do it in their own unique way. Correct. Alina just seems to be on a different side of the spectrum and you just need to find ways to actually work around that. Well, well, the know? thing is we have to remember like um, we have to treat her, even though she is in a body of a 14-year-old, no joke, you have to cater to her needs um, from the point of view of a two-year-old. Mm. She's not going to – She look, my daughter's nonverbal as well. Mm. So she doesn't have the, the capacity to understand why things are happening in that way, why that action is wrong. Correct. For example, in terms of hitting other kids, she Correct. doesn't have the capacity to understand that this is not something we should be doing. Correct. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't advise her and you inform her about, you know, not doing that. Do you find that there's – somewhat of a hope that she will get it, she will understand? Or do you find that you just, what is it about telling her, no, this is wrong? Um, I'll be honest, like, uh, she's a very hard nut to crack. Mm. I believe, I believe in all my heart, she knows that what she's doing is wrong. There are days where... Maybe it comes with her stubborn character. Yes, that's, yes. That's I where honestly it comes believe it, it's it is. It's more of her... Yeah. No, no, no joke. Like over the years, she does understand stand instructions. She does understand simple mm. words. She knows what that this is wrong. Mm. She knows that this is good. Who, who, the way she reacts to other kids is, it's like she knows she's big, she's strong, she's tough. I'm, I, I, I can get away with doing this. So, I try my best. To keep her out of those situations so it doesn't occur. But subhanAllah, it doesn't happen all the time. Yep. Like you will be put in that situation. And again, I just, I'm very careful and I let the parents know, please don't let your child to get too close to my daughter. She may hurt them. She may retaliate. She may push them just so they can be happy and my daughter can be happy at the same time. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the family dynamic and, and how life has changed for you in terms of your interactions with your other children? Because what tends to happen when someone has a child with a disability, they tend to put all their focus and their attention on that child. How do you, I guess, balance the needs of Alina with that of your other children and your spouse? You know, how do you make a balance between everything? You're, you're honestly, like, it's something that comes naturally. Um, subhanAllah, like, before she came into our lives... And you don't get me wrong, like, especially when it comes to them growing up and their milestones, 
you normally take it for granted. You be you actually do take it for granted. And oh yeah, they're gonna walk. Yeah, they're gonna talk. Yeah, oh they have, they have their first to- tooth, and this and that. So it's an expectation they expect. It's gonna and happen. You, yeah, it's mm. going to happen. Whereas Subhanallah, like uh, when Elena came into our lives, all that changed. Mm. Um, our whole outlook onto life changed. Um, the way the w- world. Um, responds to children with special needs or just life in general, like completely changed, like it was completely flipped. So it influenced your perception of disability. And you mentioned you were so passionate about being a special needs educator prior to giving birth or getting pregnant with Alina. Yes. Um, But do you find that once you actually live and experience it, it's, it's totally different to what you expected in your mind. Yes, no one understands what you go through, the struggles and the reality of being a special needs mother. And there's not enough words, I guess, to give people a complete picture of what it's like yeah. unless they're in your shoes, they, in your position. And Correct. then again, each special needs parent has a different experience. Correct. Some are harder than others. Yes, that, that's so true. Um, and that's that's the thing. Like you will never know unless you, Subhanallah, مثل uh, like I don't want to say inflicted, but put in that situation where this is part of your life now until till you die. Yeah, like I said, my whole world flipped. Like instead of like uh, like مثل like um, you're living your life the way you would normally, your life becomes all about her. Your whole world revolves around her. Like, subhanAllah, like she becomes priority. She becomes the focus of everything that you do. Like, whether it's um, therapy, you, you make sure you can get that therapy in, no matter what your day is like. You make sure that you can get um, physical activity in for her, no matter what your day is like. Um, doctor appointments, you make sure that you've, you always have them scheduled in time for her. Um, you know, subhanAllah, blood work and you name it, like everything. And they had a ghair al-madrasa came in, like of being course. at school. Of course. Even her, her sisters, her mm. dad, their life revolves around Elena. Yeah. yeah. yeah and he, for example, like we want to book a holiday. We make sure this holiday is caters to Elena's needs, caters to her likes, just to make her comfortable, to, to see that happiness, to see that smile, to see the excitement when we mm. go on a holiday. It's amazing to see the great lengths a parent would take to actually make their child happy, regardless of who their child is and, and what their child has and, and so on and so forth. True. Just to make them happy, pushing all your struggles aside, it's just that to you means the most. Number one for you, the priority is her her health condition. Correct. Ensuring that she lives a high quality of life. And then you've got the emotional well-being, her mental and emotional health. We can't ignore Correct. our mental and emotional health. Correct. But what about your mental and emotional health? We tend to focus so much on our kids, but what are you doing to prioritize your mental health? Uh, this is, it's mm. really hard to talk about. Yeah. <sighs> Subhanallah, like, um, she's my world. Um, she came you know, a, a precious gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I have to look after this gift. Um, this precious gift has to be treated in a certain way, like looked after mm. in a certain way, respected, 
like uh, I, I can't explain it. Like, yes, my life is for her. Like, no joke, I live my life for my daughter. And no joke, her father and her sisters, wallah, they, like we all, we, our mm. life is about her. Um, we sacrifice a lot. No joke. Like, uh, yani, is a shagla like we're doing it and we know that this is going to affect Elena anyway. We won't do it. Um, it's hard. It's a struggle. Like, you're lucky. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got my good days and I've got my bad days. But subhanallah, like, uh, alhamdulillah, good always. That's right. Overrides. Yeah, overrides the, the negatives. That's right. Exactly. Um, and it's okay not to be okay. It's it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel like this. In the best of times, there are struggles, correct, you know. And correct. to be a special needs parent, that is, you know, that's a crown on your head. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you that title of being a special needs parent, you know, that's that's an honour. That's a great honour. And, and you've proven yourself. You've proven to yourself and to others, your family and your community, that you are able to to make a difference for yourself. You know, you're able to balance the needs of yourself, the needs of your children. And it's absolutely incredible that your journey has has been panned out the way it has. And you are that walking advocate for your daughter. We need more people like you to advocate for people within the disability space because Alina isn't able to advocate for herself. So you are that person who needs to educate and promote awareness to other people. Things are changing. Things are changing. But I personally want to advise you to put yourself first as well. Don't put yourself last because in order to to be that woman who looks after everyone, you need to look after yourself. Do something for yourself. Subhanallah, you know? that's something I hear a lot from yeah. a lot of parents. It's yeah. just, wallahi, yani. When my when Elena is happy, I'm happy. Yeah. That's the way yeah. it is. Alhamdulillah. If she's happy, I'm encouraged to do more more things for myself. When my daughter is unhappy, I will do anything in this world to see that smile back on her face. No. Do you know what I mean? Yani, it's the beauty it's of just, the mother. Uh, it's, it's just motherhood. motherhood. You know, it's not something if she's specific. sick, yani, I will not leave her. Yeah. I, yani, even though she doesn't want me anywhere near her because she does have that subhanallah. Yeah. <laughs> you know back to her stubborn yeah. um, characteristic you yeah. as a mother you can't you can't yeah. you you once they're happy you're happy that's, that's the right. way it is that's right that's so just the way your it is. life is centered around making her happy exactly prioritizing her health and mental well-being that to you is is your way of looking after yourself Correct. so in conclusion what message would you like to share with other families who may be struggling with similar challenges who may be experiencing similar or the same kind of obstacles in their daily life. Each parent, subhanAllah, treats their situation differently. All I can say is don't be scared. Be strong. There is help out there. There's there's a lot of support. But if you as a parent are not willing to go out there and, and face these challenges with your child, you're, never, you're not going to reach... Yani, a goal or achieve a milestone for for this child. There is a lot of help, but subhanAllah, like uh, finding this help isn't easy. But if you mm. do go out there and put yourself, um, yani, allow yourself to be part of a support group, part of the community, ask questions in order to get answers, you're never going to achieve anything. Mm. You need to be strong. You need to 
uh, have the courage to be out there in the world. It's a hard situation. A lot of parents don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. But if like, they don't talk to you, you will never know no. what to advise them and what support you can give them. No. Support groups are very, very important. Right. Um, Being around people who sort of understand where yes. you're coming from, yes. who share the same values and experiences as you do, it makes you feel a sense of comfort knowing that your concerns are being heard. Being around other people who don't understand your situation is important too because you are that advocate. You need to teach them. Correct. If you don't speak to them and answer their questions, they're not going to know. Correct. And we're not going to achieve that inclusive world that we are seeking. Correct. That's why your message and your story is so important today. And I know it's not easy to talk about your struggles. It's it's absolutely not easy to, to put yourself out there, to show your vulnerability. So for you to do that, it's incredibly valuable. And on behalf of Tom FM, I just want to say we sincerely appreciate your openness in sharing your experiences with us, you know, your insights into not only the challenges but the joys of being a parent of a child with Down syndrome is is absolutely inspirational. And we are so grateful for your willingness to to speak to us today in, in such a raw way, you know, speaking about that true first-hand experience of being a special needs mother. And we hope that your story will continue to encourage and promote greater awareness and acceptance of people with disabilities. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for being part of our program today. We wish you all the success in this world and the next week, Nila. Thank you so much for having me, Nadia. It was a pleasure to be here. And I really hope I have, like, given, you know, like as much as I can mm. about my personal story And thank you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. Don't look at me with pity.